This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comfort. It's a show all about your animals and the animals around you. I'm Kevin Farrell. Here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Levy Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today, we're going to welcome Claire Graves from Pearl River Keeper. They're a nonprofit organization dedicated to keeping the Pearl River watershed clean and healthy through advocacy and education. And on occasion, they even get into the water to do the dirty work. We'll talk with Claire about the work of the Pearl River Keeper Group and the upcoming Clean Sweep event that they have coming up in September. Also, Dr. Major is on hand, ready to take your pet questions. So join our conversation with your phone call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, there is a repeat broadcast every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Good morning, Libby. Good morning. morning. Uh, Libby, let's start with you. Uh, I think you might be on a porch, but it's not your usual porch. So give us an idea of where you are and what you're seeing nature-wise today. Okay. I'm I'm in beautiful Corvallis, Oregon. It's 58 degrees, so that means it's warming up a little bit. And, of course, it's uh, 7 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I've been watching Anna's Hummingbirds. And uh, that's their name, Anna's Hummingbird. It's uh, a year-round resident here, so I've seen them before. And uh, because we come out here fairly often, uh, they're um, noticeably larger than our ruby-throated hummingbirds and absolutely beautiful. The male has a, a dark, kind of reddish-purple head. So it's that green, and then his back is green, and chest is white. It's the, the green-red-white combination, but in kind of a different order. So anyway, it's a really pretty thing. But oh, one bird that we never get to see in Mississippi that uh, we enjoyed watching. We quarantined all the way out, so we camped in fairly remote places and uh, for four nights and drove five hard days to get here. But uh, we watched the um, magpies. They're, uh, they've recently been renamed. They were Western magpies, and now they're California Western <laughs> magpies. But they're a beautiful, bold, black and white and dark blue color combination and a a big bird as big as a crow about a 25 inch wingspan and a long very impressive tail and they do a lot of showy dancing so that's a different kind of bird we've watching we've been watching and then i've been watching scrub jays since i'm here in corvallis and they're a lot of fun too um isn't corvallis home to one of the universities in oregon Yes, yes. In fact, it's the the Beavers, the um, uh, Oregon State University. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so, Dr. Major, uh, our, our producer, Java, found an interesting article from the New York Times that talks about the uh, pandemic and vets and that animal clinics have seen a pleasant uptick in service. Some vets attribute the increase in demand to the key factor uh, that makes this recession different from the others. It's forced millions of Americans to work from home. Some are taking the opportunity to bring home new pets with some shelters around the country reportedly emptied out thanks to high demand. So are you seeing an uptick uh, in your clinic, Dr. Major, maybe even of some new patients? You know, that's a good question. And we have seen steady to up to an uptick because of uh, I really think it has to do with uh, people observing their pets uh, more. There a lot of people are at home still. And uh, you see things that you might not see if you were uh, leaving, say, at 7 o'clock and getting back at 6 or 7. So the pets also have, uh, they've been used to staying, uh, what should I say, doing their thing during the day if nobody's at home. And uh, they may be a little bit stressed from having pet owners at home. So we have seen some stress-related uh, issues uh, with our with our pets as well. But in general, we're still doing the curbside uh, uh, tradition or whatever service, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, owners call when they get here. We send someone, find out what they need, and we still take appointments, but find out what they need and then uh, examine the animal, do whatever is necessary, and then talk back with them again. Uh, so it, it adds a degree of complication to a certain extent, but I think it's good that we, you know, are able to do this. And we try to maintain as much as possible social distancing and uh, wear face masks, wash our hands, uh, just trying to maintain uh, our employees and the people that come to see us to maintain uh, good protocol. You know, we I think we had touched earlier on the fact that uh, with uh, – <clears throat> Uh, people being at home more, be working from home, and when we were sheltered in place and that sort of thing, and it was a little bit different uh, for a lot of our pets. I think a lot of them were kind of like, hey, wait a minute, I- I'm used to having the house all to myself, and uh, now all of a sudden I'm having to share it with you for the rest of the day. Uh, so a uh, little bit of a stress there, although <clears throat> I-, I think the cats uh, would probably just have that attitude of, uh, how dare you interrupt my nap when I'm supposed to be home alone <laughs> snoozing away. So. Uh, that's that's interesting, but uh, we've I think we've had enough time that maybe uh, we're getting used to being around them more, and they're getting used to being uh, us around a little bit more as well. Um, so, Libby, what uh, what are some other kinds of wildlife that, that you might be able to see out there in Oregon uh, that would be sort of uh, not something that we would see here in Mississippi? Well, let's see. The deer that we see here are different. We see mule deer. And uh, we do see those um, as soon as we go into the hills. Uh, let's see, gosh, chipmunks. And their chipmunk is a bigger, different-looking chipmunk than the one I have in my yard. Uh, oh, gosh, all kinds of interesting. But we see the California quail, you know, with the little top knot on its head. And that's a fun bird to watch. Emily has a our, our our daughter, where they live, there are some peregrine falcons close by, and I haven't uh, been over to see them yet, but I will go see them, and it's a place where I can walk, and so we'll probably see those pretty soon. Uh, so it's a different place, definitely, and it has a different feel. I woke up this morning smelling the Douglas firs, the conifer smell like a Christmas tree. Hmm. 
Uh, it sounds like things are a little bit bigger out there. You've got bigger hummingbirds, uh, you know, <laughs> a little yeah. more, more room to grow, I guess. Uh, looks now, like- oh, oh, one good thing, I've, no, I haven't encountered any chiggers. And we've been coming out here for 10 years now, and I've still, knock on wood, I guess, but I've still not gotten a case of chiggers here, and that's unusual for me. I usually find those anywhere I go. <laughs> well, well, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Uh, yes, yes. We've got a caller on the line. Looks like a kitten question for Dr. Major, and it's Casey in Grenada. Good morning, Casey. Go ahead. Good morning. Okay. I have a two-and-a-half to three-month-old kitten, and over the past two maybe three weeks she's been having seizures we took her to the vet they put her on antibiotics they don't know what the actual problem is i'm wondering if there's anything that i can do as far as dietary wise maybe care wise just help <laughs> right and this this is you said three months old is that correct yes and uh when did the seizure start they started about two, maybe three weeks ago. I can't remember the exact date. Well, the number one thing that comes to mind is uh, toxoplasmosis, uh, which can cause seizures uh, in in cats especially. And uh, I think it would be wise to have this cat tested for that. There could be other things as well, uh, some brain abnormality. Does a cat act normal when it's not having a seizure? Uh, it depends. The recovery time for her seizures has been varying widely, and they did right. a lot of testing at the veterinary's office, and they think that it's a parasite in her brain. Well, again, toxoplasmosis would fit that uh, being a parasite type thing. It's spread primarily through uh, rodents, uh, which the kitten is not out hunting. I understand that, but still it could have been from its parents possible. So. Anyway, I, I would definitely ask that question if they haven't tested for that, uh, that it might be wise to do that. Uh, and I'm sorry you're having this this problem, but it needs to be followed up. And seizures in a cat are nothing, nothing. Uh, what should I say? They pretty, pretty rugged, rugged, pretty rough, and uh, it could get worse. So keep in touch with your vet. See that uh, anything else can be done. Okay. Okay. Thanks for your call, Casey. Let's go ahead. We'll take our first break of the hour. When we get back, we'll bring in our guest, Claire Graves from the Pearl River Keeper. As a member of the Waterkeeper Alliance, they're dedicated to improving the Pearl River watershed through restoration, advocacy, and education. Stay tuned as we talk about their upcoming Pearl River cleanup in September. You can call with questions. Our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or email the show send it to animals at mpbonline.org stay tuned hi i'm dr jimmy stewart professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the university of mississippi medical center On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. You're 
You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Today our guest is Claire Graves from the Pearl Riverkeeper Group. If you want to join our conversation with a question or comment, the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show, send it to animals at mpbonline.org. We do have some open phone lines, so if you have a question or comment, that would be a great time to call in and join the show. So as I mentioned, Claire Graves is visiting with us this morning. Thanks for being on the show with us, Claire. Good morning, y'all. Uh, if you would start out, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved with the Pearl Riverkeeper organization. Absolutely. So I'm a native Mississippian, born and raised, and really have always looked for ways to be outside, enjoying nature and um, helping to keep our environment clean and enjoyable for others. And so here in Jackson, I found Pearl Riverkeeper and have really enjoyed being involved with that organization as a volunteer for several years now. All right. One of the reasons you're with us today is to tell us about an event coming up in September, the fourth annual Pearl River Clean Sweep. So if you would uh, tell us what that is and give us some details. That's right. The Clean Sweep is coming up Saturday, September the 19th, starting at eight in the morning. And this is one of my very favorite events of the whole year. Um, It's an opportunity for people to come together and volunteer to clean up the Pearl River uh, watershed along several different sites along the Pearl River. So there's 25 sites this year, starting from Nanawaya up at the north, um, all the way down to the Gulf Coast. And there are sites both in Mississippi and a couple in Louisiana. So this is an event where people come out, bring your gloves, uh, bring your uh, water with you, and get ready to do some work because we'll be pulling trash out of the Pearl, um, also from around the, the edges of the Pearl, and it's a really a lot of fun and, and quite an adventure to see what you find. Uh, for those of us that aren't uh, are remiss in our Mississippi geography, uh, what part of the state is Nanawaya in? Is that and is that where the pearl originates? That's right. That's the headwaters of the pearl up in Nanawaya. So kind of northern, um, and then it comes all the way down through Ridgeland area, Ross Barnett Reservoir, um, and then down uh, along the edge of Mississippi, Louisiana, and all the way to the Gulf Coast. So um, there's. 490 miles of the Pearl that we uh, work to protect through uh, Pearl Riverkeeper. And uh, I see that you've got a a, a website, pearlriverkeeper.com, that uh, if folks are interested in helping out on September 19th, they can get a list of cleanup locations and also can register. And I would imagine this would be a good project for, you know, maybe Boy Scouts, civic organizations, church groups, that sort of thing. That's right. We have lots of great groups that come out and help. Some great students from Millsap served at my uh, site last year, and that was a lot of fun. But Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, church groups, like you say, just it's a really fun, uh, good opportunity to get outside and to take some action. You know, we, we talk a lot about cleaning up our Pearl River, um, and this is a group of people that wants to not just talk about it, but get it done. So those are my kind of people. It's a, it's a really great group of people to be around. Uh, during this year, everyone's concerned about keeping healthy because of the pandemic. What are some extra precautions that uh, your group is taking this year during the uh, Clean River Sweep to make sure that everyone uh, helps out with the trash but also stays healthy? Totally. We want to make sure that people feel really comfortable coming out and being part of this event or choosing to do something on their own. So um, at the Pearl River Clean Sweep this year, we'll be doing social distancing, limiting the number of volunteers that can be at any one site, all those kinds of things that we're getting used to now. 
Um, and so also because we know that there may be some people who don't feel comfortable or don't want to come out for this or can't quite make it, there's another opportunity for people to be involved this year um, to do the Celebrate the Pearl Challenge. So there's a list of different challenges on the Pearl River website, um, Pearl River Keeper website, and lots of different opportunities for people to contribute. So challenges include things like going styrofoam free um, or just taking a picture of yourself enjoying the Pearl River and sending those things in to Pearl River Keeper through social media or through um, email. And people who do those challenges will earn points and people with the most points will get prizes. So a really fun a uh, great opportunity to get involved, even if you can't be at the clean sweep this year. Uh, you know, I think you bring up an important point, you know, that uh, the, the clean sweep is sort of the end uh, of the process where the trash has already migrated its way uh, to the river in the, in the surrounding areas of the river. Uh, but uh, on the front end, uh, we can do some things, like you mentioned, you know, maybe giving up styrofoam for a while. But what are some other things that people could keep in mind to make sure that the trash doesn't accumulate in the first place? Yeah, so one of the new projects that uh, Pearl Riverkeeper has taken on recently has been marking storm drains. I think that sometimes people forget that anything you put down a storm drain or that washes down a storm drain goes to the pearl, and that affects our drinking water, affects our um, animals uh, that that also are using the Pearl uh, River, the Pearl River. Um, and so that's one thing that people can do is really be cautious and thoughtful about that. Um, and really just being careful about what kind of single-use items you use and where they wind up. Um, and encouraging others to be thoughtful about that as well. I think those are some of the things that I think about um, when I think about how we can keep more trash out of the pearl. And again, one of the other challenges you mentioned I think is a good idea. It's you know posting your pictures maybe on the river. So if you have some social media feeds, you could post a picture maybe of you uh, enjoying the river with a little blurb on there saying that, hey, this is something that we can all enjoy, but make sure that we keep it clean. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, the Pearl River is beautiful. I mean, um, I serve as a site lead at the Bellhaven Beach site. And beautiful sandy shores and a beautiful river with, with just lush trees is an incredible treasure that we have here in Mississippi and it's really up to all of us to claim it and to make sure that we're doing our part to keep it clean and keep it usable and keep it enjoyable for us and for our neighbors. So as we mentioned, this is the fourth annual. In the last three years, the event has uh, had more than 2,400 volunteers and removed 100,000 pounds of trash from the Pearl River watershed. What are some of the strange or random uh, trash items uh, that have been pulled from the river? Oh, it's always an adventure to, to see what's in the pearl. It's all the things that you would think it would be. So lots of water bottles and uh, Gatorade bottles and all that kind of stuff. But um, also just kind of random things that you're like, how did this make it here? Um, we see some things that probably came off of boats. So if you're out boating on the pearl, be careful with what happens to your um, fishing rods uh, once we recover. Um, but last year we pulled out a construction boom cut it into pieces, had to get a chain cutter out there. It had wrapped around some trees. So this huge, long construction boom that we pulled out eventually. This year, I have my eye on a shopping cart that is partially submerged that we're going we're gonna to pull out this year. Um, I hope that I have some great, strong help at my site. Uh, we talked a little bit about some of the health precautions being taken in the light of, uh, uh, you know, the, the uh, pandemic. Uh, but what about uh, some tips for if someone is a first-time volunteer what kind of clothing should they wear? Should, do they need to have gloves? That sort of thing. Sure. Definitely bring gloves. 
Um, we'll provide bags for you to use uh, to pick up trash, and we'll also have some trash grabbers available to some folks, um, which are really helpful to to take things out of you know bushes and stuff like that. Um, and then wear wear clothes that are comfortable. Uh, wear closed-toed shoes because you'll probably be getting into some bush and things like that. Um, you want to be able to make sure your feet are safe, but it's going to be hot. So, um, you know, pair your shorts and short sleeves with bug spray or wear long sleeves and long pants. And um, we talked about uh, the, the various locations. Uh, how maybe an average length of, of each group might be taking care of uh, how much of the, of the river? Yeah, it really depends. So some years in the past, we've had people that were also able to um, collect from the river itself. So people who'd go out on kayaks. Um, I, I don't know that we're doing as much of that this year. And so when we've had that, we've been able to really cover a huge uh, expanse of expanse of the river at each site. But I would say that, you know, it's a couple hundred yards at my site um, where people can get out and, and really um, make a difference. But if you think about even with just a small part of the river that each side is covering to be able to pull out a hundred thousand pounds of trash over the past few years, it really makes a difference. And it makes a difference because everybody contributes, everybody pulls out a little bit and together it really improves the world. So uh, what sort of mind uh, state change you think needs to happen to folks to, again, kind of prevent this on the front end, to keep this trash from uh, building up and ending up in not only in the Pearl River, but other rivers in Mississippi as well? Yeah, I think that the more people actually get out and experience the Pearl River um, and see what a treasure it is and get to enjoy it. Um, I went on a kayak adventure with Capital City Kayaks um, earlier this year, and it was just incredible. And uh, so many of my friends who were also part of that trip had never really been out on the Pearl and never seen it in all its glory. And so to me, truly, part of it is exposure and just getting out and seeing what a treasure it is and enjoying it and then taking from that um, the personal commitment to keep it clean. Right. As you said, uh, what motivated you to join the group was that it was not we're just not talking about what a, what an awful problem trash is, but they're you're with some people that are are actually doing something about it. So that uh, that, you know, taking that extra step uh, is important. And that's uh, something that I guess you can encourage others to do that are concerned about this as well. Absolutely. And it's really a lot more fun when you do it together. That's one of the things I really like about uh, Pearl River Keeper. And I also do some water quality monitoring uh, through Pearl River Keeper. And just the group of people that we meet up every week and go do our water quality testing. And, you know, it's, it's wonderful to get to help um, make sure people know about the water quality in the Pearl. But, I mean, the, the main thing that keeps me coming is the great people um, who really care about their community, care about their environment, and want to get together and, and do something about it. So my advice to others is if you're really passionate about this, find some other folks who are and uh, do it together. And I think Pearl River Keeper can be a one way that you can do that. We've got uh, Jerry on the line from Madison who wants to comment about uh, the cleanup efforts. Jerry, thanks for joining us. Go ahead. Okay. Yes. Yeah. First of all, as someone who's participated in the previous three cleanups, the, uh, the Clean River Sweep is a really fun, hardworking kind of thing, labor of love. And I appreciate what they do. And uh, I just wanted to, our guest here to address how important it is to keep the tributaries, like the streams and creeks, 
that run into the Pearl and mainly the ones coming through the, uh, you know, the uh, metro area, how important it is for people to keep that clean and evidence of the, you know, the floods we had back in, back in the spring. Claire? Jerry, you're exactly right. Um, all the tributaries come straight to the Pearl. Uh, and, and so if our tributaries aren't clean, then our Pearl isn't clean. Um, so really uh, encourage folks, especially some of our business owners who um, have businesses along those tributaries, uh, to really think about where's your dumpster um, and make sure that your dumpster is not spilling over into those tributaries. Or um, if you have a neighborhood association in that area, you know, how can people organize and get together and make sure that their neighborhood is not contributing to more trash in the Pearl? I mean, there's a lot of opportunities to really take ownership of that and uh, to each do our part, and that's what it takes. Uh, Jerry, before we let you go, in your experience, do you remember any kind of odd things, that uh, trash that you picked up along the way to helping out? Oh, yes, actually I did. The first year I went up to Reckless Ferry and hooked up with that group and paddled upriver and uh, passed a spot that I saw a huge piece of uh, bisqueen-type plastic laying there and the closer I got to it, I started seeing bone. Oh, and gosh. I thinking, I, and I started looking, I saw teeth, and I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to be the guy that has to call, you know, the game, game warden kind of thing. And I started pulling the plastic back, and I found this large canine skull that, you know, was there. And, uh, and it was really kind of fun asking people up and down the river what they thought it was, you know, and I got everything from raccoons to bears to <laughs> panthers or whatever, you know, so it was really kind of interesting. Wow. That's a great story, Jerry. Thanks for calling in and uh, sharing with us this morning. This is Creature Comforts and it's time for another break. When we get back, we'll continue talking with our guest, Claire Graves. You can call in with your questions and comments this morning. Our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Dr. Major's here ready for pet questions as well. We'll have some more creature comforts after this. During the break, we'll test your U.S. river knowledge. Name the five longest rivers in the U.S. We'll have the answer after the break, so stay tuned. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest for the day is Claire Graves from the Pearl Riverkeeper Group. If you want to join the conversation with your question or comment, our phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show. Just send it to animals at mpbonline.org. If you miss any of today's show, you can subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app on your smartphone, or you can download the MPB Public Media app. Before the break, we wanted to test your U.S. river knowledge and ask what the five longest rivers in the U.S. are. And I think we talked about this before, and it created a little bit of a controversy. But according to our research, the Missouri is the longest at 2,341 miles. 
The Mississippi is second at 2,348. The Yukon ranks third, 1,982 miles. The Rio Grande fourth at 1,885 miles. And the Arkansas, 1,469 miles. The Pearl River, while along, is only a mere 440 miles, I guess, when you compare it to those other rivers. Uh, but that's what we're talking about this morning. So if you have uh, uh, some issues with our list, you can call in. Uh, but that's, that's, that's our list, and we're keeping with it or sticking with it for right now. Uh, we do have another caller on the line, uh, and it is our friend Roger in Florence. Roger, good to hear from you. Go ahead, please. Oh, what a delightful program. I want to ask your, your guest... And anybody else who calls in, when's the last time you asked a candidate for supervisor or a candidate for anything what they are going to do, not say, but do, about recycling? There are institutions, there, there are governments who think recycling is too expensive. Rankin County gave it up when it cost $20,000 a month, just net cost. Well, that's nothing compared to the net cost of the trash that goes into the Pearl River, for example. So recycling, get a commitment out of your elected officials. Make them promise to budget and sponsor and do recycling. It may not be a net profit. That's not the point. That's my point. Right, Roger. Good point. Uh, Claire, would you want to follow up with that? Absolutely. So we love recycling at Pearl River Keeper. So very supportive of recycling programs and um, really encouraging our government officials to embrace that. Um, and also Pearl River Keeper does a lot of uh, advocacy work and keeping up with clean water initiatives from our local city governments, county governments, state government, um, and being involved in those conversations about how we can take steps to keep our rivers uh, clean. So um, that, this is a group that that feels that. So love some recycling, really want to encourage that, encourage that in areas where it is available that people um, make a point to recycle. Uh, and I think Roger brings up a good point as well, and that is, you know, uh, the, the local government is really, really, can you make uh, the most difference? And then as he said, you know, if you ever have a candidate come by your house or if you uh, want to find out when your local government body meets, either on the city or county level, I think most of them uh, have some sort of public input uh, time during their meetings. And so you could go and, and press them and ask them about uh, recycling. So, Roger, uh, good point. Thanks for calling that in. Uh, looks like we have a caller on the line, so we'll say good morning to Anna in Oxford. You're on there with us. Go ahead. Hi. My, uh, our phones have been a little dicey, so if I cut out, I'm sorry. Um, I've got two points. I have a, uh, uh, a dog which uh, resembles a Brittany Spaniel, and um, we, or she, <laughs> found um, some baby rabbits, and uh, she didn't hurt it. She just carried it around, brought it in the house, and I tried to put it back. She went and found it again, and last night we put it back outside when the dogs were brought in. This morning she found it and brought it back in again. And, again, she didn't hurt it. It's almost as if it was like a puppy. And um, <laughs> she, she's very keen. But on the other hand, when I took her for a walk yesterday, she goes up on – she listens. She goes up on point. And then suddenly she's digging in the soil, and she brings up a mole, and she kills it. I, I don't know if you're still there. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, and so uh, 
I don't know if this is normal. Um, she, uh, I think I've lost you. No, you're still there. Go ahead. Oh, okay, okay. And um, so I don't understand. Uh, she's like a 10, 12-year-old dog. We thought she was actually dying of cancer, but she seems to be quite normal now. And um, then secondly, the other day, I saw a copperhead, a small one. It was only, this is in my backyard. It was only about a foot and a foot and a half long, slender. And uh, I had to keep the dogs away from it, of course. Um, and then later, that same day, I saw a black snake. So I'm figuring the black snake's going to take care of the copperhead, but the copperhead's probably going to take care of the baby rabbits. Am I, am I right in thinking that? All right, Anna, thanks for the call. Let's uh, get some input. Uh, Dr. Major, why don't we start with you? Is that somewhat a normal behavior that a, a dog might kind of seek to, like, protect one creature but not another? I would say the answer to that is yes, and we see it uh, a lot of times. Uh, a dog will have a maternal instinct or whatever you want, mothering instinct. I had one little dog that was uh, probably about seven, eight pounds, and she would mother anything, baby kittens, uh, and she would try to get it to nurse, even though she didn't have any uh, any milk. But she would uh, just about mother any type of little animal. As far as the mole, or if that was a mole, uh, this dog saw that as a pest or rodent and killed it. But as far as the the bunny, I've seen this happen before, and uh, I would hope that you know you would hope that the mother rabbit was in the area and would take his baby away, but it may not happen. So anyway, uh, that's interesting. And uh, Libby, any thoughts on the the snakes in the yard? Would one snake uh, take care of the other? You know that totally. <clears throat> whether or not a, a a snake will eat another snake depends on their size, of course. And a larger snake will prey on a, a much smaller snake for sure. And uh, so that does happen. And the snakes do go after the baby rabbits. And, you know, everybody, as people, we love baby rabbits. They're absolutely adorable. But I guess from my husband, the gardener's perspective, he's kind of glad that the snakes keep his <laughs> rabbit population in check because he has a hard time with rabbits in the garden. So, uh, yes, I think she's right that the snakes may go after the baby rabbits. But if she saw her property without any snakes, she might have way more rabbits to think they're cute anymore, and she might have a lot of other rats and things that she doesn't want. So we kind of have to take the good with the bad when we have um, predatory behavior going on in our, in our uh, close vicinity or in our yards. We are visiting on creature – I'm sorry, go ahead, Dr. Richard. You know, and that's one of the benefits of having a king snake in your yard. Uh, certainly, they will take on a uh, copperhead at any time. Uh, usually, as Libby said, it has to be the right size. But they are very adept at uh, killing uh, other snakes. And uh, I have <clears throat> pictures of one in my yard that actually killed and ate a copperhead. So they, they're beneficial. And it is, as Libby said, kind of a cycle, you know. Uh, they may feed on the rabbits. They may feed on other things as well. But uh, certainly it's good. <laughs> it's a good thing. 
Uh, we've got a caller on the line that I think wants to continue this uh, line of uh, conversation. So let's uh, welcome Bill, called in from Pearl River County this morning. Go ahead, Bill. You're on the air with us. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking the call. I This is reminiscent of a childhood experience I had where I saw uh, my pet dog uh, bring a baby uh, rabbit into its uh, bed in the garage and... Uh, I went to tell my mother what was what had happened, and by the time I got my mother to come out and look, uh, here comes the dog with another baby rabbit, <laughs> uh, which she promptly put in the bed. And uh, this time, I surmised that it would be interesting to watch where she's getting these baby rabbits. So I went back out, uh, taking the other two baby rabbits that she had just brought in, and uh, when she uh, took me to the rabbit's nest, I took the dog in and put the two baby rabbits that she had already brought in back in there with a third baby one. And that night when my dad came home from work, uh, I showed him, went out to show him the uh, three baby rabbits. And lo and behold, there was a king snake in the uh, rabbit's, uh, sorry, not a king snake, a gray rat snake in the rabbit's nest, an old baby rabbit. So I think the the dog was definitely trying to protect those baby rabbits from the king snake, and uh, we she did her best to thwart the king snake's uh, presence apparently, and we just uh, cooperated uh, mightily to undo her plan. <laughs> hey, Bill, thanks for calling in. That's that's a great story, and and if you're still listening, that sounds like your situation is not maybe uh, as unusual uh, as one first might think. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, and today we're visiting with Claire Graves from the Pearl Riverkeeper Organization, talking about efforts to keep the Pearl River watershed clean. Uh, Claire, what makes the Pearl River special? It's a beautiful river and really one that supports both human activity and animal activity. So, of course, uh, the, the Pearl River and the reservoir are the source of Jackson's drinking water. I live here in Jackson, so I don't care about it from that perspective. But also, there are several different federally protected or, or rare species of animals that live within the Pearl watershed area. So things like um, the Gulf sturgeon, bald eagle, and black bears, all the resources of the uh, Pearl watershed. So it's worth protecting for that. And then thirdly, it's just a beautiful river. Um, and it's a real natural treasure that we all get to enjoy. Um, we'll enjoy it even more the cleaner it is. Uh, and we mentioned that the Pearl Riverkeeper organization is part of the Waterkeeper Alliance. Is that more like a national group that has similar goals? Right. So um, Pearl Riverkeeper is the first and only member um, of the alliance here in Mississippi. Um, but we have some aligned goals around really celebrating and promoting drinkable, swimmable, wonderful water um, throughout our country. Um, and really aligning with some other organizations in other states, but very proud to be uh, serving here in Mississippi in that way. It is time for our last break of the hour. You still have time to get your questions and comments in. Just give us a call. The number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or you can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. More with our guest, Claire Graves from the Pearl Riverkeeper Organization, Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield after this break, so stay tuned. 
Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest for the day, Claire Graves, who's a member of the Pearl Riverkeepers organization. Uh, still time to join the conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. We've got uh, a dog question, looks like, uh, from Toby, called in from Memphis today. Good morning, Toby. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Go ahead. I have a question about my, my dog. Uh, he just started chewing on his feet. And I, I know that that's an allergy, you know. Is there anything that I can do to, besides medicine to stop that? And he, he just started uh, recently doing just that? Just recently started, chew, yeah, chewing on his feet. All four feet? Uh, <laughs> his front front ones I notice the most. Right, right. And once once they start chewing on their feet, a lot of time it gets to be a habit uh, and makes it worse. It could be that that there's something in the grass at this time that uh, has influenced that. If he goes outside, uh, certainly you could uh, take uh, wipes and wipe his feet off every time he comes in, which is not too much of a problem to do. That might help. He may need, if he's getting if it's getting severe, he may need some medical attention, uh, and certainly that would be. Otherwise, his skin looks good. Everything is yeah. Everything looks good. I just figured. I was thinking maybe I should change his food. But, you know, right. maybe that might be the problem. But it's more than likely just a grass allergy. Right. Right. And a lot of a lot of times you'll notice that uh, food can cure all ills, and that's evident by the plethora of foods that are out there. It's confusing when you go to uh, store and look for what food to buy. I know. So many different <laughs> brands. And I'm, re- I'm reluctant to say that, <clears throat> that you need to change the food. Your vet okay. is continuous, and there are some things that can be done. Okay. Well, we'll start uh, off with just trying to get it, just wipe his feet down real good when he comes in. I think that would be good, yes. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. Thank Hope you. Hope that works. Thank you. Thanks, Toby, for your call. Next on the line, we'll go to Alan, who has called in from Mobile. Alan, you're on the air with us, so it's your turn. Hey, great. Wonderful thing they're cleaning up. But uh, I'm a semi-retired senior hazardous waste operator, emergency response personnel person. I have 10 years of cleanup for the Environmental Protection Agency, several of which being in Mississippi. And I, I endorse cleaning up the river as, as we do here locally. But one of the things that you should really look at, uh, and it's a big thing, is in the common cleanup of items such as automobile batteries, antifreeze, oils, and other commercial fluids that are used in cars and trucks such as that, and facilities that might have had heavy equipment, automobiles, uh, and even junk car places, because everything that's in that car is eventually going to leak out on the ground. And not to tell on your neighbor or anything, but you'll have certain people who acquire a bunch of miscellaneous items, cars, trucks, and junk, 
and everything that's in them goes onto the ground and it goes into the water. And the biggest pollution issue is that the dirt gets impacted with these fluids and they eventually go into the water, so everything just has to be dug out. So, uh, not to oversimplify it, but just getting the neighborhood cleaned up of these things, and, and it's, it sounds bad because it sounds like you're going to be telling on your neighbor, but all of these things where you see old equipment, cars, and that type of thing, everything's got to go on the ground. Got to go, but thank you. Bye. All right, Alan, thanks for that comment. And, Claire, that's one thing that we'd mentioned earlier that you had mentioned earlier, and that's to, for people to be aware of things that they put down storm drains and, and possibly even, you know, throw out in the backyard. This that There might be some chemicals and things that might eventually leach, leach into our water system. So it's something, uh, to again, to kind of keep in mind on the front end, uh, keeping river sheds clean. It's a great point, which is that, Anything that goes onto the ground, into the ground, eventually makes its way into our water system. Um, and so really taking uh, precautions around, um, like he was saying, some of our um, chemicals associated with our vehicles, things like that, um, to really uh, be careful about how we dispose of those and to take advantage of uh, programs where we can dispose of them safely um, and encourage your city or local officials to make a point to give people an opportunity to dispose of those things safely so that they don't wind up in our water. All right. We are almost out of time, but I do have time to remind folks of the fourth annual Pearl River Clean Sweep, Saturday, September 19th, beginning at 8 a.m. If you're interested in helping out, you can go to pearlriverkeeper.com, that website uh, that has a list of cleanup locations and a way to register for the location of your choice. And uh, Dr. Major, about a minute left, maybe you could give a quick answer to this email that asks about a six-month-old Australian shepherd puppy that every time she wants to play, she'll grab her toy and wrap her front paws around our ankles. We're afraid she'll trip us. Is there anything that we can do, positive training techniques, to stop this behavior? Well, so the, the puppy grabs a toy and wraps its legs around their ankle. That's interesting. I don't know that I've seen that behavior particular behavior but if if the puppy is treat motivated i think you can distract that attend you know distract the puppy from doing that um uh, and that's really strange that it's grabbing your leg uh i would say that uh may need to talk to a behavioral expert but i would try treats and deter the puppy from doing this by rewarding it when it doesn't do it okay uh, but would you then somehow, I don't know, not discipline, but you need to, I guess, make the dog understand that the, the grabbing around the, the paws around the ankles is not acceptable behavior? Certainly. Uh, you could take a squirt bottle, uh, full force water, uh, squirt it on the face, and that might help deter that. I would try that first. All right. So deterrent, and then when the dog does something that is good, give a little bit of a treat. Exactly. Sounds All right. Great. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding is provided in part by listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, you can find it at mpbonline.org slash creaturecomforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Liz Gill. So for Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest Claire Graves, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned because up next, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.